Oh, I'm loving the fast. Loving it. Loving it. I love, I love, what, I love what Maya said earlier, uh, actually last week, that nothing tastes as good as Jesus feels. Did you get that? Nothing tastes as good as Jesus feels. And as much as I'm missing coffee, as much as I'm missing meat, as much as I'm missing milk on my cereal, as much, yeah, I won't go through all the list of things I'm missing. As much as I'm missing those things, Jesus is better. Jesus is the bread of life. We've just taken communion. He is the bread that sustains us. He's, he's the, the, the wine that, that fills us to overflowing. He is all that we need. And, uh, and fasting is an amazing way to just rehone and focus our faith. Um, so I encourage you, yeah, join in. Don't feel like, oh, well, um, I'm a week too late or, uh, you know, it's too hard. Um, there is a sense that it has to cost you something. Like just fasting. I talked to a guy the other week. He was like, yeah, I fasted potato chips and it didn't really do much for me. I was like, well, if you're still eating lollies and drinking fizz and eating everything else you want, fasting potato chips probably hasn't made much difference to your life if you re- replaced it with other tasty snacks. Um, so there is a sense that it's got to cost us. But, uh, but yeah, just do, you know, some, some people are fasting uh, all TV, Netflix, um, devices, you know, uh, social media, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. And, and hopefully in that space where they were just watching those things, they're drawing near to God. Um, they're not just replacing it with a magazine or something. Uh, but there, yeah, just find something and encourage you. Because it, what it does is it stirs a hunger in us. No, yeah, yeah, it stirs hunger. But it stirs a hunger in our hearts for God. And uh, I think that's, that's awesome. That's what we need. Because let's be honest, we live in a, real, a world that is ruled by comfort. Don't we? We live in a in our Western uh, society in Timaru in New Zealand. We are ruled by by comfort and security. That that that's kind of what our, if we can get uh, enough nice stuff and live a comfortable life and be secure, get a, a nicer car and a bigger house and a boat or whatever it is that you desire, and then life is complete. And I I don't know if you've realised, but that's actually not true. Uh, it's also not what Jesus teaches us. And security and comfort can't be our highest goals. We are called to live to a higher standard. We're called to live by faith. And that's what we're talking about today. This whole uh, series, we're talking about living by faith. And we're, to- we've- we're drawing out of the faith chapter uh, in the Bible, which is Hebrews 11, where the phrase by faith is used 19 times. So it's just, it's packed full of people living by faith. And last week we talked about Abraham and uh, looked at him and his life by faith. Let's see how we're going here. Oh, hey, I didn't push anything. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, yeah. Do you just give me this, like, just, just to make me feel good, but it doesn't actually work? And then you just change it there anyway? Just change it there. Uh, uh, it's one less thing for me to think about. Um, that's good. Whoops, that's broken now anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, last week he obeyed, he settled, he believed, and he sacrificed. Uh, this week, I want to actually dive into another story uh, from that Hebrews 11 chapter, but it's just it's just briefly mentioned. It's just glanced over. Um, so here, here we go, Hebrews eleven thirty 
uh, 2 to 35, it says this. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. It just kind of skims over that. But that is crazy, for one thing. And it's actually referencing, well, there's, there's two Two instances in the Old Testament where women uh, receive back their dead back to life. And both of them are uh, Old Testament prophets, Elijah and Elisha. And today I just want to focus in on one of those, the story of Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. And uh, it's, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing story. So we're going to go to 1 Kings 17. Uh, if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. But just to give you a little bit of background, Elijah has rocked up. Uh, just a Tishbite, he, he's from Tishbite, uh, or Tish something rather. Uh, he appears at the start of this chapter, and he just rocks up to King Ahab of Israel, and he prophesies to him, and says, there's going to be no rain in the land until I say so. And then he disappears. And uh, he, he goes and he hides in a ravine uh, where he's fed by ravens, and he drinks from a brook. So, you know, just your typical backstory, really. Uh, you know, preaching drought to the ruler of the nation and then running away and being fed by crows uh, in a valley somewhere, hidden away. Like, just your normal backstory. So we pick it up uh, in 1 Kings 7. And there's, there's, kinda, there's actually two parts of the story with the widow of, of Zarephath and Elijah. And we're going to look at both of them because I think in both stories we can learn about how we live by faith. And, and I also want to just learn from both of the characters of the story. We often focus on the main character, uh, Elijah. But actually, um, this woman, this widow, she's not even named, but she, is, she isn't just a, a, a bit part in the story. She's not a passive player. She actually activates faith in her own life. And I think we can, we can learn from here. Because actually, it probably takes more faith to be told to do something by a random guy who's just wandered in from the desert uh, than it does to be that random guy telling her to do it, right? And actually, she's had to activate a whole lot of faith. So we can learn from this widow, but we can also learn from Elijah. And sometimes we think about Old Testament prophets and we think, or just any Old Testament or New Testament character, and we put them on a pedestal. We think, these guys are amazing. They're just such heroes of the faith. And Elijah is a hero of the faith. Like, uh, with Jesus, there's a, the transfiguration where Jesus goes up to the mountain with a couple of his disciples and Moses representing the law and Elijah representing the prophets up here, like hundreds of years after their death. And, and so Elijah is a, is a major character in the Bible. And yet, I just want to remind us that he's just a man. He's just a man, just like a lot of you are men. And, and this woman was just a woman, like a lot of you are just... Woman, and we think, oh, I couldn't do anything great. No, you, these, these were just normal, ordinary, everyday people. But by faith, they did extraordinary things. And so I just want to stir some faith in you today. So let's read 1 Kings 17, uh, the first story, uh, starting verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up. Remember, 
surprise, surprise, he had prophesied there'd be a drought. Uh, verse 8, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Pull a loaf of bread for me uh, from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Okay, crazy story, right? To live by faith, if you're taking notes, my first point, to live by faith, we need to make big asks of God. Make big asks. I still haven't got my head around how Elijah can ask this widow for, for a meal, for, for, for a drink and for a meal. Like, it's just such a, a provocative thing. And the thing is, faith makes big asks of God. And it's not afraid to make big asks of other people. Faith actually provokes a response. Because if it's just a little ask, then it doesn't require any faith. If I was to ask you for a glass of water today, you'd be like, okay, yeah, there you go. Like, that's easy, right? But in the, I, think, I think we need to we need to allow ourselves to be provoked by God a bit more. Because as I said at the start, we often, we live, in, we, we live for comfort. And we live in a comfortable kind of place. And, and we, we, it's easy to settle back in our faith. And, and actually, I think as a, as a pastor in, in Timaru in New Zealand today, yeah, I've got to be a pastor. But actually, a lot of the time I've just got to be a provoker. Actually, a lot of the time I've got to be a prodder. I, I, I've, got, I've got to be a poker. I'm going to change my, I'm, going to, I'm no longer Pastor Dave. You call me Provoker Dave. Uh, I'll just put PR instead of PS uh, in front of my, because I, I think sometimes that's what we need because we sit in our nice auditorium. It's getting warmer, I feel. Uh, the heat has come on. Uh, and, and we live in our cushy lives and we're pretty isolated from, from all the disaster of COVID and everything uh, down here. And it's, it's nice, isn't it? But, Actually, we, we need to allow God to stir us and to challenge us and to provoke us. Otherwise, we become a bit lukewarm and our faith kind of just settles and it becomes unhealthy for us. So, so are you, just turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready to be provoked? No, no, say it like you mean it. No, because I'm not sounding like you want to be provoked. <laughs> like, oh, can we, can we skip the provoking sermon? Just give me a nice, uh, nice gentle one. No, I think, I think we need to be provoked. I think actually we need to start asking some audacious asks of God. We need to start asking some things 
that are bigger than just ourselves. So don't ask God for just enough money for you, but ask God for enough money so you can bless your neighbor or your whole neighborhood. Don't just ask God to heal your little sniffle. Ask God to heal the, the friend or a relative you have who's got cancer. Don't just ask God for, for, for something for your own comfort, but ask God to make you uncomfortable and, and put you in a place where you can change someone's life. Come on, we need to start asking some things of God, some provoking things. Because Elijah's ask is incredibly provoking, right? He's asking a widow. So she's got no income. In those times, there's no you know, benefits. Uh, there's, there's no uh, savings for her. And she can't actually hold a job down as a, as a, as a woman in those times. So, so she's, she's reliant on living off the generosity of those around her. So she's, he's asking a widow in a drought, a drought that he's prophesied, by the way, and that he's for water. So water in a drought. And in a drought also means all the crops have died. So it's also a famine. And he almost says as an afterthought, oh, by the way, can you make me some bread as well? I'm a bit peckish. So, and then, so he's asking a, a, a widow in a drought and a famine for water and for food. And then when she explains to him, oh, no, actually, I'm just getting some sticks together so I can go off to home to make a little fire and have our last meal, and I'm going to die. Instead of going, oh, oh, look, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize you were in such dire straits. And, and, and look, let me help you gather the sticks. Let me Because that's kind of what we would expect. Instead of doing that, he's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> First, get me something. Like, how provoking is that? You and I would be like, that's just rude, Elijah. Now, prophets aren't known for, you know, being subtle or nice. They are provoking kind of people. But I think we need to sometimes get a bit of the spirit of Elijah in us and go, you know what, I'm going to make an ask of you. And sometimes, you know, okay, here we go. Um... Let's say um, we're, we're, we're believing for a new building, right? So we're believing that we will own a building. And uh, let's say we've got a building in mind, and I come to you. I believe, actually, that you've got this $10,000 that you can donate, you can put towards building God's house. And, and you start to explain to me, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you would love to give it, but we're actually we're saving for our own house. And, so, and I go, oh, yeah, sure. But give to God first. And you'll be like, okay, Pastor Dave. Uh, perhaps, perhaps you might get a bit offended. But here's the thing with faith. I, I actually think faith, we need to allow ourselves to be provoked to faith. And that's actually my second point. Allow ourselves to be provoked, not offended. Allow ourselves to be provoked, not offended. Because in our world today, you know, it's easy to take offense, right? It's so easy to, to be offended. And the world lo- loves that, that kind of, oh, standing up for my rights, and don't you say that to me, and don't you do that. And, and, but we have to be very careful in the church not to take on the culture of the world and be like that. Now, actually, Jesus said, when so- give them the other. Like, there's a sense that we actually... We, Okay, someone's said something, done something provoking. I'm not going to react. 
I'm going to bring it to God. And I'm going to see it through the eyes of faith. Because I think a lot of us, if we were in that widow's situation, we would be like, no, stuff off. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got my own son, I've got my own son to look after. I've got my own life to look after. I'm not going to look after you. But there was, there was something in, in Elijah that stood in this widow. And she was like, and she did it. It's incredible. Uh, she just went away and did it. And I, I, I hope that we are a people that when we are provoked by faith, we don't just automatically get offended, but that actually we, we give it to God and we go, like, okay, God, is there something in this? And if there is, then we allow ourselves to step out in faith, to take a step of faith. Or, And here's the thing. I, I actually don't think being offended is bad. I think sometimes... And hopefully I'm offending you a little bit today because I think when we, when we allow that offense to, to come, we're like, okay, we need to wrestle with it. We almost need to go, okay, is this something that God is actually speaking to me? And we need to wrestle with it. And, 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 and if, it's, if it's not, then you can put it aside. But if it is, we need to act on it. And we need to, to take it. Um, yeah, I, I really believe God wants to provoke faith in our midst. And actually, I, I've got a couple, a couple of uh, prophetic words for, for a couple of people. Marius Swanepoel, there you are. Um, I just got the word harvest. I feel like God's want, calling you to, to a harvest, to a harvest in your workplace, to a harvest of salvations even. And I think there's uh, he sees your, your newfound faith and hunger for him, and he wants to bring about a harvest through that. Um, so I want to encourage you in that. Um, and Oscar, uh, I, I believe that God's saying there's a dissatisfaction in you and that dissatisfaction is not going to be, the, the answer to that is not going to be found in the world. It's going to be found in him. And uh, there's, not a, there's not a thing that is going to, it's, it's not like a, just a, it's a deep-seated, ah, oh, there's something I want to see change. And I think when you come to him on your knees, um, he's going he's gonna to give you some faith dreams. He's going to provoke faith in you uh, that's going to see some, I don't know what, it's going to see some things birthed from your heart that, that's going to give you fresh vision and fresh direction in him. And, and it's going to feel that, that, I don't know, that niggle in you that is like, yeah, Cool. Awesome. So number two was allow, allow ourselves to be provoked and not offended. When someone asks something of you that provokes your faith, let it do just that. Um, yeah. Cool. Number three, trust the pr promiser. Trust the promiser. Now, Elijah is not the promiser in the story. It's God. Both Elijah and the widow have to trust God. Now, I don't know if it's easier to, to believe a word directly from God for yourself or whether it's easier to believe a word from someone else who speaks it to you. I think both of them have their challenges, uh, but both of them require faith on our behalf. 
I think if we boil it down to it, that what the real question of faith is simply this. Do we trust God? Can or personalize it. Saying to God, can I trust you in this, God? Because we're going to put our trust in something, right? Either we're going to put our, our trust in our circumstances. So for that widow, she's going to like, I just trust that I'm going to, someone's going to give me some, some more food or I'm going to somehow you know, earn something. Or maybe she'd lost all faith and all trust in, in anything. She just She was in despair. Quite possibly that was the case. But we all, we all put our trust in something. To live by faith is to put our trust firmly in God. Even when the scenario seems crazy, what God is asking us seems a bit crazy. Because do you know that, church? He won't let you down. Even when things seem like, I don't, I don't see a way out of this, I don't understand this, God is still true. He is still trustworthy. He is still faithful. And at the heart of every, every step of faith is that question. Can I trust you, God? And the idea of this walk of faith that we do is that every step, every, every step of faith that we take, we're taking a slightly bigger step. We're asking something more of God, and, and He's coming through in a slightly bigger way. And that, in that way, our faith grows. Cool, so that's, that's the first wee story. And now we get to the story that Hebrews 11 refers to. Woman receiving back uh, their, their loved ones from the dead. So we'll pick that up in, and later in, on in, verse, in chapter 17. In verse 17, it says this, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took from him he took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So to live by faith, it doesn't mean that we have all the answers and that we have it all together. We don't have to have the correct theology to live a life of faith. See, the widow, get this, she's a widow of Zarephath. She's actually a Phoenician woman. She's not a person of the tribe of Israel. So there's this foreign, and, and so she doesn't have an understanding of God. She doesn't know how he works. And, and this woman actually imagines that, that the fact that, that Elijah, this man of God, has come into her house has drawn attention, God's attention to her and to her household and to her sin. And she thinks, because this man of God is here, God is looking at me now, and he's aware and killed my, my son. Now, we know that's not how God works, right? So she's got a distorted sense of, of how 
God operates. But there, there is an element of truth in there, and that God does punish us for sin. There is a punishment for sin, and that punishment is death. It just so happens that uh, that punishment should be our own death. But in Jesus, we have victory. We have overcome that because, remember, Jesus took that death for us. So she's got a little bit of the truth mixed up in there. But actually, you know, God isn't punishing her. And so with her wrong thinking, you know, God, does, God isn't bothered by that. What he responds to is her faith. The point is that despite not understanding how, how this has happened and how God works, she still has faith that God can do something, can change something, for the man of God to do something. See, God is not worried about your lack of understanding. He's not worried that your theology might... Because let's be honest, all of us have something wrong with our theology. We're not in heaven yet. We haven't got it all worked out. Okay, so all of you sitting here thinking, I've got God worked out. You don't. <laughs> and neither do I. And that's okay. Because God, he, he, he oversees that as one of our many sins. And he, and he overlooks it. You see, you can actually be wrong about how he operates and still see God work miracles in your life. You can, you can actually be wrong about how God moves. My, my fifth point, if you're taking points, that was, that was point four. My fifth point is faith can be mixed with doubt and confusion. I just want to read to you Elijah's response. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took it from us, carried it to the upper room, and he... He cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? So Elijah's crying out to God in desperation. He's, he thinks, you know, we often think living by faith is just taking hold of a promise from God. Like God says, I'm going to do this in your life. And you go, yes, I take that. And then we work it out and we pray and it happens. It's not as... <laughs> And, and sometimes great acts of faith are actually found in our desperate need and our desperate prayers with no assurance that they're going to come true. Like, I love this about Elijah. He, he, he's not, he's, he's real with God. He's questioning God. Elijah actually probably thinks, you know, send him off into the wilderness and said, you know, some birds will feed you. Um, but, you know, he kind of, it sows into this kind of, meta-narrative of, of prophets being just these lowly guys and uh, God kind of overlooks them and it, they live a tragic existence. And he's, so he's probably like thinking, thinking that and he's going, and are you going to punish this lady just for helping me out too? And so Elijah the great prophet is struggling to understand what God is doing in this moment. That's reassuring, right? For us that, that Elijah, the, the prophet of prophets, is just just before he does a major miracle, is struggling. He's questioning God. But then, I love it, despite that questioning, he goes into action. It's interesting that he, he removes the boy from the despairing mum and takes him up to, to his room. And I think, you know, that kind of mirrors the story of Jesus uh, when he comes to the house with the, the dead girl. And, uh, and, and Jesus shoes out all the people who are mourning and, and wailing because he wants... He wants faith in the room. And, and so, so Elijah does this. And then he does something kind of weird um, when viewed by today's standards. He lies on the boy. Um, you know, we might think that's a bit creepy. 
uh, today, but that's just because we've been conditioned to, to think that way. In those times, you know, they wouldn't have been thinking about that. But there's something that, that he needs to, he's, it's part of, I think, his desperation. He just wants to impart the faith that's in him into, into this boy. He's believed, and so he just, he lies on him. I mean, he's dead already, so what harm can it do, right? Uh, like he's not going to squash him. He's dead. Uh, so, so he lies on him. And, and, and number six, my sixth point is faith is desperate and determined. Faith is often desperate and determined because Elijah doesn't do this once and go, oh, didn't work. I'll carry, it, carry him back down. Sorry. No, he doesn't even do it twice. He does it three times. And then there's a miracle. Sometimes we just need to persevere in what we're asking God to do. You know, sometimes we've had a promise from God and we're believing for something and we've asked Him a couple of times and it hadn't happened and we're like, oh, well, we give up. Even Jesus Himself, He's healing a blind man. He, he, he spits in the mud, He rubs it with His fingers and He puts it in the eyes of the blind man. And then He says, oh, you know, what do you see? And the blind man's like, Oh, it's kind of like trees walking around. She's like, no, no, that, that, that's us. That's us people. Um, and he does it again. So he has to do the same thing again. Even Jesus has to persevere. Man, we need to sometimes in our faith just, just hold on to something. Was, was Elijah doing the wrong thing the first time? No, because it worked in the end. Sometimes it just requires us to give it another go. So Elijah cries out to him, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. It's a desperate cry. It's a cry of faith. As I said, sometimes faith is not a triumphant declaration. It's a desperate cry. It's just like, oh, come on. I need you to come through. I need you to come through. And there's no certainty here for Elijah. There's no certainty here for the widow. There's, there's doubt, there's desperation, there's despair. And in the midst of that, God comes through and we see a miracle. Sometimes when we cry out to God, nothing happens. I don't know why. You can have that with conversation with God when you reach heaven. But I tell you what, a hundred times out of a hundred, when we don't ask God for a miracle, He doesn't do one. Right? He's waiting for us to ask. No times do we see a miracle when we don't take a step of faith and ask for one, cry out for one. Sometimes when we do, we'll see a miracle like this. We'll see the dead raised to life. And isn't that what God is about, bringing life into our situations? I want to read it to you again in verse 22. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. So Elijah picked him up, carried him to his mother, said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. I, I'm a little bit surprised by her response there. I would have thought that having lived on um, and a bottomless cup of oil and a bottomless bowl of bread for the last, I don't know how long, a few years probably, the entirety of this famine, that uh, she might have thought he was the prophet of the Lord before then. <laughs> but, but here we are. She's, oh, no, you really are. 
you really are God, uh, God's chosen um, prophet because you've raised someone from the dead. If that's what it takes for you to be convinced uh, that someone's called of God, then I'm sorry. You might be waiting for a while um, for a confirmation that I should be your pastor. Um, <laughs> but as I've as I thought about it, isn't it amazing in our world? And then six months later, we've completely forgotten it. And we're desperately crying out to God for another miracle. And we're like, come on, God. Oh, you never come through. Why did you, you, you know, you come through everyone else. You have it. And it's, we actually need to go, stop. No, remember that time. Remember, he's come through for you before. And he can come through for you again. That's the power of testimony in our lives. When we go, actually, we remind ourselves and we share with others. You know, God came through for me. He healed me of that. He, he made a way for me to get that job. He, he gave me that, that money when I, and I needed it. He, he provided. Come on, let's learn a lesson from the widow and remember what God has done in the past. Can I invite the keys up? That'd be awesome. So we've kind of looked a little bit at two, two very different stories, but with the same characters, around how to live by faith. And... I'm convinced that God actually wants to do something here with us today because this auditorium isn't filled yet. Our, our city is full of people who are desperately in need of, of a hope, of a joy, of a peace, of a love that we carry. And sometimes I think we do get a bit comfortable. We do kind of think, well, you know, I've got my faith and, and that's nice and comforting for me and that's good. And I enjoy, you know, gathering with my friends at church or in e-group. And well, that's good and that's cool. But actually, come on, I, want, I believe God wants to provoke us. He wants to prod us. Say, so what are you asking God for that's beyond you? That's actually an ask that, that may be a little bit offensive even. You might be asking God for, for stuff that you think, man, that's a bit bold. That's a bit brash. That's a bit in your face. Is requiring of us to ask for some things which are beyond ourselves. And in that space, don't be afraid to get desperate. And don't be afraid to have to ask again and again to be determined in it. I think we need to, we need to get some grit, get some determination in our spirit. So why don't, why don't you stand to your feet in this moment, I really just, I want to open this time up for God to speak. I've, I've done enough talking, <laughs> but I want God to speak to you. If you're here this morning, you think, actually, I haven't got a, I haven't got a, a big dream. I haven't got something that, that I, I, it's really a step of faith for me to, to do. I haven't, I don't know what that is for you, but if you haven't got something like that, God wants to give it to you. He wants to deposit in you a dream. He wants to deposit in you uh, a, a step of faith. And just with our eyes closed and in this moment, I, I, I'm going to encourage you to listen to God. And maybe to see your loved one saved. And maybe to believe for your own house. It maybe to, to believe for your neighborhood. And maybe for a, a relationship that's broken in your family that you, you haven't spoken to someone for years and you want reconciliation. Whatever it is, Come on, we need to ask of God. We need to start to believe of God. So just in this moment, allow God 
Say, God, I'm listening. What is it you want to stir in me? Come on, let him speak in this, in this place. I believe God's spoken. He's dropped something in your spirit. Maybe you already had something. But I'm going to actually be interviewed and I'll come and play the guitar. I'm going to ask the musicians to, to play uh, a little louder because I want you to start to speak out. Often things are activated. God spoke and things were created. The earth was created. Sometimes we just need to speak to activate faith in our lives. And so I want us to start to speak out what God has placed in your heart. Speak it into the atmosphere. Speak it out loud. Say, God, I'm believing for my brother to be enough money for a house. God, I believe that you're going to heal my auntie of cancer. Whatever it is, come on, let's start to speak it out in Jesus' name. Don't be afraid. Come on, let's speak it out. Thank you, God. We thank you that in you, your promises are yes and amen. God, we speak with faith, God. Even, even just the faith of a mustard seed. I pray right now you would sow mustard seeds of faith right now in our hearts that, that they would grow to be a mighty tree, that they would grow to see the dream, to see the, 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 the prayer answered in Jesus' name. Thank you, Spirit of God. Thank you, God. You're provoking faith within us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, there's one more group of people here. If you're, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you haven't given your life to Him, you haven't got relationship with Him, this whole idea of living by faith is a bit of a mystery to you. Or can I tell you that to live by faith means to not completely understand, to to come into a relationship with Jesus is actually just take, take a step into the unknown. You're not going to completely understand how He works or what, what it looks like, but you're taking a step by faith. And can I, can I encourage you, there's, there's many people around you here today who have taken that step and their lives have been changed for the better. Because God wants relationship. He wants to know you. He loves you as a father and He's calling you home. So just with every eye closed and head bowed in this place, if you know that, that your life is not right with God, that you don't know Him through His Son, Jesus, who says there is only one way to the Father, and that is through Him, then I want to give you an opportunity, just with your eyes closed and your head bowed, to begin that journey of faith with Jesus today. And if that's you and you want to do that, just shoot your hand up now. I'll see it. And you can put it down and then we'll 
pray together. Is there anybody there? I see that hand. That's awesome. Is there anybody else? Is that a hand up there? That's awesome. That's two hands. That's fantastic. Anyone else? You'll know who you are because something will be wrestling with you on the inside. You'll feel like, oh, should I do this? Shouldn't I? That's God calling you. There's a, there's a battle in the heavenlies for you. Come on, let God win. Don't let the enemy win. Just raise your hand and then we can pray together. Anyone else? Okay, we're going to pray. I've seen two hands. That's awesome. So I just want you to repeat a line after me. Dear God, come on, let's all do it together. Dear God, I come to you today in need of your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and resurrection that has brought me life eternal in you. I give my heart and my life completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Come on, let's put our hands together. There's no party like a party in heaven when people give their hearts to Jesus. That is so cool. Hey, I want to do one more thing, actually, just before I finish, because I, I want to see a wave of salvation in this place. So I just want you to close your eyes. And I want you to imagine someone in your world who's close to you, but far from God. You got that person in your mind? Now I want you to, to envisage them coming down the steps and entering the front door of this church. And you're greeting them. You're welcoming them. Or maybe you've even brought them through those doors. And I want you to see them. They're mixing and they're mingling in the foyer. And they're getting to know your church family, your friends. And then they're coming up the stairs into this place. And they're entering into a time of worship. And maybe they're a bit awkward. And maybe you're feeling awkward for them. That's okay. Because God is moving. He's stirring in their hearts. And you peek a look at them in worship. And you see there's, there's tears forming in their eyes as the Holy Spirit is touching them. And then there's, a, there's an amazing message from the front and, you're, and you know that that message is just for them and it's speaking right into their situation. And then what we do every week, we do an order call and, and, you, and you see them as I put a call to salvation out and you see them wrestling, but then you see them raising their hand and beginning a new life with Jesus. Come on, we need to start to, to imagine. We need to start to envisage our friends and our family coming to know Jesus in this place. Can you see that, church? Can you believe that? Can you join me in prayer for them right now? Come on, bring that person towards God right now. Father, we thank you for the people that we love, that we want to know you. And God, we call them in to relationship with you. We draw them in. We invite them now by your Holy Spirit into this place, into an encounter with you, into a moment where they come to know you, Jesus. And we declare that our salvation is done in the heavenlies, even before it's done here on earth. And all God's saints said, 
Amen. Amen. Awesome. Bless you. what you brought out is the way that the the greats of faith in the Bible are just just kind of things that we struggle with and it is and so encouraging because sometimes you think that your doubts kind of like rule you out of being a person of faith but that's not how faith works so I want to encourage you to keep pressing in um, to what the good things God has for us we're going to close with a song make sure you stick around afterwards and catch up meet some new people um, and let us host you well cool thanks Ellie